0: Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. Today we take you to New York City to meet American artist Jason Moran, a genius jazz pianist. He's known for performing experimental compositions and collaborative projects with visual artists, including Joan Jonas, Lorna Simpson, Glenn Ligon and Adrian Piper. Jason staged and animated two of his own sound environments in the 56th Venice Art Biennale. Jason Moran's first museum exhibition opens at the Walker Art Center in Minneapolis this April. I'm eager to hear what he'll bring to that renowned stage. But first, let's find out what came of his latest collaborations. How did artist Julie Morettu inspire his music making while she was creating two colossal paintings for San Francisco's Museum of Modern Art. What emotions bubbled up when he was preparing a steam calliope performance with artist Carol Walker for the 4th Prospect New Orleans exhibition? For years, you've been collaborating with other artists, and. I'd love to just reiterate that, what's at the core of your work, that Mm -hmm. improvisational Mm -hmm. spirit that you have?
1: By trade, I'm a jazz pianist, and it's the life that I've lived for the past, maybe the 20 years now, traveling the world, playing concerts, making records. I'm now the artistic director for jazz at the Kennedy Center. So I'm kind of like this official (laughs) of jazz to a degree. I also know that the way that jazz has worked since its inception, is that it's always been in relationship to other forms. Whether it's through poetry, like, say, Langston Hughes, or costumes that Duke Ellington and them would wear, or, or that Sarah Vaughan or Billie Holiday would wear. Is that the aesthetic around the music is also, like, totally full of code as well. And so in the past years, what I've tried to do on my own, and also being invited to collaborate with lots of great artists, like Joan Jonas and Lorna Simpson and Adam Pendleton and Glenn Ligon, that people really pull out, tease out these things that I'm not able to necessarily do in a jazz concert.
0: The first time we recorded was about your projects with Joan Jonas. And most recently, I was stunned by the project you got involved with, with Julie Mm Moretto and her paintings in this decommissioned Catholic church here in Harlem. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, Julie and I have known each other for a while and talked about doing something together. And she was in the midst of this enormous Two painting commission from San Francisco MOMA, and she invited me when I was closing my studio space to just bring my instruments to her space, and that's when I started going over there and while she was painting, start to jot down ideas for a new composition while she'd worked on it. We had lots of conversations just because also America was entering a new chapter, post-election, and here we were trying to make work after that feeling. And so she's been really pivotal in helping me think through some of these things. And having a space like this church on 118th Street to work in was phenomenal and also a very rare opportunity.
0: You had an amazing electronic piano.
1: The instrument is called the Rhodes. It's kind of an instrument from the 70s. And was prominent in a lot of like funk records. And it's the one that I didn't necessarily have a home when I was closing my studios. So that's the one I just said, oh, let's just bring that there. But it also turned out to be like this strange kind of celestial vibe that was perfect.
0: She could hear your music in the celestial space.
1: (laughs) For both of us, it was new because generally when we're working, we're solitary or we're in our minds. So then we would reconvene after, say, a couple of hours and then talk to each other about what we are observing. She's been a great Uptown partner. This is also a process that I may say I've learned from Joan Jonas. From our first collaboration together in 2005, I'd literally played all day with her. As she was putting together her videos and changing her script around or figuring out a movement, then I would just kind of constantly try to get ideas out. And she would respond to things and say, oh, I like that. It's a process that I now depend on to work with collaborators. When I was graduating from Manhattan School of Music, I never even considered a master's program. But this has truly been a a master's program, meaning working with people outside of the music or jazz discipline. And finding out how to translate language in a way and translate ideas that are sometimes visual, sometimes political, or in the body or in the movement. And I'd say that in the conservatory, it's, those ideas are kind of very rarely brought up, especially in the jazz context. So these, particularly these women, Lorna and Joan and Julie and my wife, Alicia, and so many others, Elizabeth Alexander and Kelly Jones. And these people have been so prominent in giving me things to look for in work to make it have multiple layers.
0: The work that Julie created is called How Eon One. You composed a set of musical pieces specifically about this experience.
1: The way I was writing the music was I'd write gestures on a page, and then there were fixed ideas, too, maybe a bass line or something. Once I invited my collaborators in, Jamiro Williams, the drummer, and Graham Haynes, the cornetist, then it was to almost give them the freedom to take any direction they wanted with what they saw on the page. Not say, this is how this song goes. Because I feel like that's also the way Julie paints. You're not sure, even though it's hung this way, is that the upper right corner? When we made Summon, which is a part of a longer work, the recording is called Mass, that I put out on my record label, Yes Records. And so in Mass, it kind of set up the idea that you would go to a service. And the service has these many movements in it. It has a communion, it has a benediction, it has a the summoning. And so that's what we were trying to do, kind of summon, not necessarily a spirit, but a feeling of action, too.
0: Summon was like the culmination of everything. Yes. <laughs> the next piece hasn't even really happened yet mm. with Kara Walker. Mm-hmm.
1: Right.
0: The Calliope Caravan. The Caravan, she named after herself the Caravan. <laughs> I love that. What an adventure, doing a project in New Orleans with Kara Walker.
1: Well, Kara has long been a, a person to every once in a while call and say, Jason, I've got this idea. And usually when Kara calls, I say, sure, whatever you're up to, I know it's going to pull me in a direction I probably need to feel. She would made these two videos maybe seven or eight years ago that we did together. And this was a reunion, this new steam calliope that's premiering at Prospect in New Orleans. And so I have learned how to play this calliope, because it's a very different kind of instrument in how it responds to heat, how the whistles respond, the kinds of sounds you can get out of it. It's not like a piano. It's a different kind of breathing instrument.
0: It's water circulating through pipes, right? It's, It's a certain length of time you can actually get sound out of it before it has to be heat it up again.
1: The steam will let you play, but it will run out, but it also it wears on itself. The sound deteriorates or it becomes sharper as it gets hotter. It's a living thing. Kara's also made a casing for this organ or a calliope that is charged. So when I've been practicing, it's been difficult to look at the wagon because of when you see steam elevating in puffs from these bodies, basically, it's very powerful, and it's what Kara does well. So we're playing it on Algiers Point in New Orleans, so there are things that the calliope does with a mass cry (laughs) that I'd say only a calliope could do. A piano cannot do what the calliope does, is it sends out all these hot whistles into the air at one time. The more... Whistles I press at once, the softer it gets. So I'm not even sure what it will feel like to play down there because I've been rehearsing with the instrument up in Kingston, New York. So once I reunite with it in New Orleans, it'll be an entirely different feeling. And I think the blues is a part of of what will make it special, but I also think the abstraction of what that kind of pain feels like or reminds us of is also a big space that I'm moving towards in the performance, too
0: but now the exhibition, Jason Moran at The Walker.
1: The Walker has always been the place that helped open a door that I had not considered before. It's been the museum that really made me understand conceptual art in a way. It was the museum that I got lost in, saw the wall drawings in. It was the museum that spurred a collaboration with Adrian Piper and having a a relationship to this day. They are the ones who kind of led me down this road, 13 years later, to come back and have an exhibition is some weird candy store. <laughs> because the Walker is one of the most special spaces in the world because they bring it all together. And they brought dance, they brought theater, they brought the work, they brought film, and they brought music. Yeah, they're quite special. So this is a, a big moment.
0: And you have two pieces that I saw in the Venice Biennale, 2015. Mm-hmm. They're called Staged. Let's describe those.
1: Sure. Um, one is called the Savoy Ballroom, and it's a version of this grand ballroom that was in Harlem in the 1920s and 30s, the place where, you know, swing dancing was basically invented. Thousands of people would come dance there and listen to big bands by Chick Webb and Sarah Vaughan, and it was a special, special building that now is gone, right? So that's one that I remade. And another club that I remade, when I say remade, I mean I'm looking at the stage. I'm looking at the place where the musicians played, because I think there's something about what musicians have decided to do on this little piece of real estate that really kind of charges the world. And there's a certain freedom that they're looking for on those spaces. And another place was in a basement on 52nd Street in the 1940s called The Three Deuces. (laughs) And it was shoved in a basement in a corner with a padded wall around it. And this was the place where Max Roach and Miles Davis and Charlie Parker all played and Coleman Hawkins. And it was a mark of how the music was shifting. It was shifting away from the big band now to this small group with more flexibility. And it was also marking what was about to change in America. So these were happening on small, modest spaces that these musicians were totally changing the world. At least I'll say changing my world. (laughs) And so I wanted to look at those spaces. So those two pieces were in Venice.
0: They're like vignettes. They create an environment, and I love that idea of this small territory of inspiration, a safe place in Mm -hmm. a way, a spot in the world where you feel like you can express yourself. Right. You have a new sculptural composition. Mm -hmm that you're creating for this. Could you tell me a little bit about it?
1: The third piece is a commission from the Walker, and I based it on a club called Slugs, which was here in the Lower East Side, and it was in the 1970s. And this place was built off of the saloon style, so it was called Slugs Saloon. Sun Ra had a weekly gig there. People like Albert Eiler played there frequently, and Charles Lloyd. and Actually, lots of musicians who are of the older generation that I get a chance to play with all have played at Slugs. It was Kind of like a historic venue. When I hear musicians talk about this place, they talk about the sawdust that was on the floor. They talked about the relationship with the audience. And also, it's in the 1970s, so it's after this kind of breaking point, but it's also after all of the murders of political leaders in the 60s. So there's kind of like this other space that the music is entering into. So I am created a version of Slug's Saloon, and it has a jukebox. It has the sawdust on the floor. It has instruments on the stage. You know, always these stages have instruments because they're ready to be activated by anyone who walks up.
0: Are you going to be activating these spaces? Yes. All three spaces during the run of the show?
1: Right. There's this other thing happening now that these three rooms will be in the same space together, (laughs) which is some kind of weird Disneyland of jazz (laughs) in a way that you have these kind of neighborhoods that never were close to each other, or generations of jazz that, or their spaces that were never close to each other now kind of having a proximity to one another. So I'm curious what that will even feel like in a room together to have these three clubs.
0: I know that you'll be sharing your drawings Hmm. and I don't know if anyone knows you for your drawings yet.
1: (laughs) They're quite modest but they are a relationship to literally how I feel the piano and the traces that it leaves that that musicians leave on an instrument. For music, one of its pitfalls is that it does not have a concrete existence. It really just lives in the air. And it gets into people's minds, and it gets into their bodies, but then it you don't ever really see the sound. But this was a way to put down the sound that I would make on the instrument. How would it bleed? How would it fall? Was there gravity in it? And so these are a series of works, sometimes on... Normal Gambi paper from Japan or old player piano rolls that I drape across the piano and play on top of and leave traces of where I played. And then it would sometimes break the page or sometimes pool the ink into one space, this dust that I work with. It's a thing I'm still working on, but it's fun. You know, because music also has this, we talk about gesture. We talk about direction, and we talk about motion, we talk about destination, the things that we hear. Sometimes in a score we can't see it as easily, so I'm wondering if this is showing up in my playing visually on a piece of paper. How does the gesture look or feel? Or what kind of smear do I hear in my mind? Does it show up on the page too? So they're kind of a, a score unto themselves of how I play.
0: What does it mean to you to have this show coming up.
1: An incredible amount of pressure, (laughs) I'll say that, but I also feel comforted in the years that I've spent with great artists and watching them work privately and publicly, seeing their work all around the world. As a fan of work and seeing exhibitions around the world, you get to see kinds of decisions that curators can make, and that artists make together to create a really powerful show. So I'm trying to make a powerful show with the curator, Adrian Edwards. We've gotten pretty far. And also the another part of the exhibition is the collaborations I've had with Carol Walker and Lynn Ligon and Lorna Simpson and Joan Jonas and Stan Douglas. So those pieces will be on view as well. So there's a collaborative part that also shows my bandmates to a degree, you know.
0: <laughs> and the genesis of your urge to create these expressions of your own.
1: They've been a big part of the conversation. So it helps that they're along with me on this ride.
0: This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. American artist Jason Moran reveals how jazz and the risk-taking artists with whom he collaborates inspire and encourage his experimental practice. This episode celebrates Jason's first museum show, an exhibition that features his full range of creativity, from performance and collaborative art projects to his own drawings and sculptural environments. Visit freshartinternational.com to learn more and hear other stories about today's art, design, and film. We invite you to subscribe, rate, and review Fresh Art International anywhere you go for podcasts. It means a lot to know you're listening. With the support of followers like you, we've been sharing these conversations since 2011. Now is a great time to invest in Fresh Art International because the Knight Foundation will double every donation you make. Go to freshartinternational.com and click on the red support button to give what you can. Stay tuned for more contemporary art talk.